Hello, and welcome to episode 5. I'm Bill DeLuise, and this is the Wiley Society Updates Podcast. This episode is about evidence. So far, we've been talking a lot about trends in scholarly publishing that affect people who fund, conduct, and communicate research. What we haven't really talked about yet is what happens after the research is communicated, when it's seen and used by the people who need it to help them make decisions. Policymakers, journalists, influencers, practitioners, and us, the public. With more research being produced than ever before, and ever-growing access to information of all kinds, online and through the news media, maybe it isn't at all surprising that not all of the information at our fingertips can be trusted. In fact, often, not very much of it at all would stand up to even the smallest puff of peer review. So what can we in the research community do about that? Because it's not just about getting the information to the people who need it. It's also up to the members of the scholarly and scientific community to help people understand research once it's out in the world. To make sure they have the knowledge to ask questions about what journalists and politicians and even their friends are telling them. To ask for evidence behind the story. Last April, at our Society Executive Seminar in London, Julia Wilson, Director of Operations at the organization Sense About Science, spoke about how researchers, publishers, learned societies, and really everyone involved in conducting and communicating research can be more engaged in making sure that science makes sense to the public. Here's a little background from Julia about her organization, Sense About Science. Evidence matters in public life. We hear daily claims about what is good for our health, bad for the environment, how to improve education, cut crime, treat disease. And many of these claims are based on sound science and reliable evidence, but many are not. And too often commentators and decision makers are making claims that go unchallenged. And when evidence is misrepresented, misunderstood or hidden, our ability to make decisions for ourselves and society is diminished. So at Sense About Science, we make it our business to ensure the public has access to evidence and expertise, and we respond when it is misrepresented. We work with thousands of scientists, scientific organisations, public groups, journalists, policymakers, to ensure that they understand sound science and promote evidence. You might know about some of the other organizations that are doing what Julia describes. Maybe it's even part of your own mission. But what makes sense about science special is the way they connect scientists and the public with each other. Sense about science works with over 6,000 experts to respond to misinformation and public discussions about science. Here's Julia again with some examples. We deal with things like midwives who are getting questions about plasticizers in babies' bottles or a local councillor with, with questions about the evidence for different recycling policies, an MS patient who's heard about the latest medical breakthrough. We're a campaigning organisation. We call for open and honest discussion of research. And we win our battles. We do this through mobilising the scientific community and the public to call for change. Uh, when David Nutt was sacked from the Advisory Council on the Misuse of Drugs, we mobilised the scientific community to persuade the government to include principles for the independent treatment of scientific advice, which is now in the ministerial code. <coughs> and we have mobilised the public to campaign for clinical trial transparency. 
Some of you may have heard of the All Trials campaign, which is calling for all clinical trials to be registered and their results reported. And we've mobilised over 90,000 individuals and 600 organisations in support of it, and including Wiley. And we've changed European law. We've had commitments for change from major bodies, such as the World Health Organization, and from pharmaceutical companies, including GSK. Okay, so at this point, you might be thinking, policy impact. Well, obviously, it's important to make sure that governments are acting on the best research. And it's all well and good to lobby policymakers in the World Health Organization. But what are you doing about my Uncle John, who's always telling me about his latest scientifically proven weight loss diet? Or my cousin, who refuses to vaccinate her baby because she's afraid that it causes autism. Well, there's a way to address those issues, too. Because Uncle John isn't just coming up with those weight loss diets by himself. Julia talked about what's too often at the root of these questionable scientific stories, where scientific is heavy on the air quotes. So the media. It's that endless source of frustration. You know, you sit down in the morning to read the newspaper and you start choking on your cornflakes because the headline doesn't match the research. It's been taken out of context. They're not giving the absolute risk. Uh, they're talking about something that was done on mice and they're not saying so. It can be very frustrating. But at Sense About Science, our message is, you know, don't just grumble and choke on your cornflakes. Do something about it. Respond. One way that we respond is through our for-the-record responses. And these um, are where we encourage a scientist to set the record straight, um, correct the science, and we'll put it up on our website. And what that means is that when a member of the public is searching about that news story online, they'll come across our response as well. We might also encourage a scientist to write a letter to the newspaper, and we'll, we'll send these for-the-record responses to journalists. Sometimes, though, we're firefighting on an issue, and we'll see that a for-the-record response isn't enough. We're continually um, responding to misinformation. And so when, when that is the case, we'll um, put together a publication. We'll bring together a working group of scientists to really draw out what are the underlying misconceptions that mean that this misinformation continues to crop up in, in public discussion. And we've produced a whole range of guides on issues including chemicals, radiation, allergies, screening programs. So part of the solution is rallying the researcher community to respond to misinformation in public life. They are the experts, after all. It's not all up to the scientists, though. The public have a responsibility, too. Here's Julia again. So as I said, all sorts of organisations get in touch with us with questions um, about scientific evidence. And we can put them in touch with a scientist on our database. We can direct them to one of our resources. And we also put them in touch with other expert organisations, professional and learned societies and institutes. And these, these are the kinds of questions that people ask us about. And it's, it's really all about the status and the quality of the research. They're asking, is this something I should be worried about? What do the other scientists say? Um, you know, who says it's safe? And what's interesting here is that the public, they don't want to be taken back to school. They don't want a lesson in the periodic table or to be shown a diagram of the cell. They want quick access to the discussions that matter to them and will help them make a decision about whether to vaccinate their child or not. It's true. You don't really need to be an expert. That's the beauty of the scientific process. You don't need to be a doctor to understand claims about the MMR vaccine and autism. 
you can ask, has the research been peer-reviewed? Has there been a systematic review? What do other experts in the field say? Has it been discredited? These are the sorts of questions that come easily to members of the scholarly community. And they are the questions that everyone, policymakers as well as the public, should be asking. To help us get there, raising public awareness of peer review is a great place to start. Here are some ways that Sense About Science and others are working to do just that. So over the past decade, Sense About Science has been working with Wiley and many other organisations to promote an understanding of peer review with the public, and also with policymakers, journalists, influencers and civic organisations. So in 2005, we produced this guide, I Don't Know What to Believe. And that title was really responding to the kinds of things that we were hearing from the public. You know, there are so many conflicting claims about science. How do I know what to believe? And back in 2005, when we first started this work, very few journalists were saying, you know, even if research was coming from a journal or not. And something that we explained in the guide was that peer review is, is a bit like a quality kite mark on a washing machine. You know, just because um, something is peer-reviewed, we're not saying that it's not flawed in the same way that a quality kite mark on a washing machine doesn't mean the washing machine will never break down. It's just a useful, a useful tool for the public. And since its launch, it's been hugely popular. We've had over half a million requests for copies of this guide, and it's used by so many different organisations and, and people in society. Uh, teachers, press officers, policymakers, librarians, parenting groups, local government. And, you know, these are really the organisations that when the newspapers move away from the, the scare story, they're the ones left picking up the calls from anxious people who want to know, is this something I should be worrying about? Misinformation is certainly something we should all be worrying about and working to correct. The good news is since the calls for more accountability in the way that research is reported, the media has actually changed some practices. The BBC, for example, recently made it a policy to always reference research in its reports. Now, most major newspapers will include the name of the journal where an article was published, or the institution where the researchers are from. Peer review itself is less and less a well-kept secret of the research and publishing community. There was a time when the prevailing thought was that the public just wouldn't be interested. It's so dry, it's too academic. But the work of Sense About Science and others shows that, in fact, it's better to open up the process to the public, to trust them with more information rather than less, because although peer review isn't perfect, it's a critical step in evaluating whether something is likely to be trustworthy. Here's Julia again, with some more ideas about how to raise awareness about peer review. Over the past decade, we've promoted peer review to a huge range of organisations. Um, we've run workshops for early career researchers with Wiley, where we um, encourage them to take part in peer review and we discuss some of the issues around peer review. And it's something we're actually always looking for editors to speak at these workshops, so um, I would encourage you to, to get involved. And we've also recently worked with Wiley and Orchid and others on Peer Review Week, which um, it was the first time we did it last year in September, which is a celebration of peer review. And we'll be doing that again this September. And I really encourage you to, to get involved in that. It's a chance to share um, the fantastic work that you do and the, the fantastic process that peer review makes to science in, in maintaining that quality.
Voice of Young Science is our programme to encourage early career researchers to stand up for science, to take an active role in, in public debates about science. We have a network now of over 2,000 early career researchers, and they've really developed a very strong identity for tackling misinformation, um, this message that you don't need to wait until the end of your career to make a difference. They're a really active, influential group. And they've achieved this identity through their myth-busting projects and interventions, which have been really popular and far-reaching. So if this is something that you'd be interested in getting involved in, um, please let me know. It's a fantastic way to encourage the next generation of scientists to, to be active, to be out there, to be responding to these issues when they come up. And it was through the voice myth-busting campaigns that led us to Ask for Evidence. Ask for Evidence is our public campaign that encourages everyone to question claims in public life, in adverts, policy statements, campaign materials, newspaper articles, with the aim of raising accountability for evidence in public life. Because there's only so much that we can do to regulate claims and prevent misinformation. You know, we, we often describe it a bit like whack-a-mole at the fair. You know, if we're, while we're responding to all these different claims, the moment our attention is moved somewhere else, it just pops up again. And there's also this issue that there's only so much that, you know, a major corporation or a policymaker is going to listen to us. They care about what their, their voters think, their consumers think, their readers think. So that's how... We're going, to, we're going to make a change. The only way that we're going to show companies, politicians, commentators and official bodies care about evidence is if their constituents care about evidence. Well said. Because in the end, the impact of research and discovery is all about how we understand and act on research insights. And improving public understanding of science and the scientific process is something everyone in the research community can do. Whether it's participating in peer review week, encouraging early career researchers to get involved in the voice of young science, asking for evidence, or simply responding to misinformation ourselves by writing a letter to the paper or tweeting, this is wrong. We all have a role to play. The Wiley Society Updates podcast is a production of Wiley Society Services Program. At Wiley, we're helping society spread knowledge, advance their discipline, and expand their community by partnering with them to enhance the quality, reach, and impact of their publishing programs. Our theme music was provided by Jason Shaw and editing by Dennis Velasco. The Wiley Society Executive Seminar, where Julia Wilson delivered her remarks, was designed with support from Rachel Smith, Rosie Hutchinson, Vicki Johnson, Ben Honor, Joe Wixon, and Davina Quarterman. The show's producer is Anna Ayler. Our editorial advisory group includes Andy Robinson, Sarah Fibbs, David Nicholson, Alexa Dugan, Mark Robertson, and Nielsen Turner. You can listen to other episodes and learn when new episodes are released by subscribing to the Wiley Society Updates podcast in iTunes. You can also sign up for our mailing list to learn more about Wiley and other news and trends in research publishing by going to exchanges.wiley.com societies. Until next time, I'm Bill DeLuise. Thanks for listening.